This is exactly right. here this is my favorite murder the podcast where <laughs> come on i can't i don't want to do it okay. anymore <laughs> where we talk about murder and true, true crime and finish our sentences and that's it <laughs> it's there's no fucking no, puns no there's no frills oh you're gonna stop doing puns absolutely not oh okay i just mean at this moment at the opening oh, right right Oh, we're going to clear the opening, the opening and get real professional about it. No place for puns. It's no place for half sentences that the other person finishes. You know, quirky shit. This, this is, is not business. This is a business podcast. This right. is supposed to be a crime podcast. Yeah. But also comedy. Yeah. Your sister told you to listen to it. She's been telling you forever. You don't you need to don't open listen. it. You yeah. never listen to her. And you don't like puns. She knows that. So we're right. not going to do that in the beginning. No, they were catering all of this to you. Yeah. Bitchy, bitchy, Ashley. bitcherman. <laughs> <laughs> Ashley bitcherman. <laughs> oh, my God. I went to college with Ashley bitcherman, and it sounds like she's not nice, but she's one of the nicest girls on our dorm floor. I feel so bad for her now. Like, you know, like you think she would have changed it at some point. You know what she did? She tried to do that thing where like, it's bitcherman. Yeah. And it's like, Ashley, it's not bitcherman. And everyone knows it. Right. And even if it is, it doesn't matter because we're going to say bitcherman. We don't care that it's Austrian. Like, it's bitcherman. <laughs> no one believes that you live in that castle. <laughs> From the poster. <laughs> Ashley with two E's. It's Ashley Bichermont. <laughs> the N is silent. Mm-hmm. Bichermont. Bichermont. Listen, Ashley. Uh, <laughs> this is the part of the podcast. <laughs> Look, Bichermont. Look, Bichermont. Um, this is the part of the podcast that we started just last week where we, we're going to read you some of the names of the subgroups from the Facebook page since we shut down the main p- facebook page everyone's looking for a place to belong we get that mm-hmm. we understand why not be very specific about it that's right that's what everyone it seems mm-hmm. as according to the the list steven has printed up for us mm-hmm. everyone's gotten real specific or join a few and then find the friends in common in those groups and those are your new best friends yes you start a venn diagram group right. of the combination of things say Here's for example some of your choices for example say that you're in the the Facebook group Fear and Murder in Las Vegas, the Las Vegas Murderinos. Nice, that's a good one. Mm-hmm. Or how about um, SSDJPS? Say stex- stay sexy. Don't join a pyramid scheme. Oh, that's fun and incredibly specific. Yeah, I want to read stories of people in pyramid schemes. So it must be people that did it, and then they're warning everybody Ooh. else, like this is what you need to keep. Here's an eye how out it for. happened. Yeah, super into pyramid schemes. Yeah, personally. How about? And then you're also into. Say you're really into HGTV. Yeah, as for me, for example. Mm-hmm. And so you're also on my favorite open concept kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. What about the nail Dorinos? They just love nails. Fingernails. Oh, like fingernails. Fingers and faces, but just the fingers. (laughs) And also you love the TV show 30 Rock. So you're in the 30 Rock Arenos. Sure. It goes. How Mm -hmm. about who do I have to kill to get a date? This It's a singles murderino page. That's cute. Um, What about my favorite sensory deprivation tank? Listen, we're getting specific (laughs) now. Is that real? I swear to God. (laughs) It's right there. That's amazing. Yes. Well, then how about my favorite vegans? Great. I mean. I'm going vegan next week. Are you really? scared of it. What's the plan? What's the idea? One of those like, I don't know. I'm just trying to be healthy. Okay. How about 
murderinos working in veterinary medicine in some capacity, whether you're a tech, receptionist, vet, kennel help, whatever. That's the whole name of it. So catchy. <laughs> so catchy. How about my favorite Ashley? Right. That's the thing, right? <laughs> and the, yeah, and you can't, I was like, so Stephen, is it just all girls named Ashley or people named Ashley mm-hmm. or what's the actual, and he's like, I don't know. I have to join in. I'm not named Ashley, so I don't know. <laughs> we think it's just Ashley. Ashley's. Can I end it by reading you this quick little note that we got in our email? It's called Swingerinos. That's right. No, that's wrong. Karen, Georgia, Stephen, pets. After listening about the granny swinging in your last mini-sode and the MFM subgroups in Facebook in your most full recent full episode. No, I love it. Go ahead. It's great. Please say it's swing dancing. I thought I might as well let you guys know that while there isn't a public Facebook group, because (laughs) swingers have their own websites to better protect privacy, there is definitely a swingerino subgroup of, well, swingers. Swinging is big where I'm from, Utah. Mormons get real bored. (gasps) Wow! And while it keeps, (laughs) and while it's kept mostly hush-hush, when you do get into the community, you meet some pretty interesting characters. Yeah, I bet. Not only are many of Utah's politicians and lawyers swingers, (laughs) but many... Many murderinos are too. I'm not involved in the swing community anymore, but I have friends that are. And once they saw a recent Instagram post of mine about loving your show, I laughed my ass off when they told me about a recent swingerino meetup night. I didn't think I need to explain what happens. Let, I don't Please think I need don't. to explain how. Let's just say it's not like paint night. So even though it's definitely a little weird and a little taboo, just thought you guys would like to know how far your reach goes. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you guys for everything you do. Monday and Tuesday mornings. Nope. Monday and Thursday mornings are my favorite days of the week. Now, thanks to your show, SSDGMA. I love it. Do you? Tell me everything. Did you ever see that Swingers documentary? Um, I think people get ideas in their head about like, I'm watching a movie. And therefore, when we talk about Swingers, it's going to be movie bodies and movie people. And it's truly like if you walk through Costco and everybody in the the detergent aisle started fucking. That's what it looks like. (laughs) It's it's weird. And there might be one good looking person in the detergent absolutely. aisle. Absolutely. But most but of then them. It, but then they're in the, in seven, around seven other greased up bodies. Yeah. And it, I, I think it takes away from the, from the allure and the attractiveness. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. I mean, sorry. I just look, no judgments. Do whatever you want. We used to talked about no kink shaming, bloody blue. But this documentary <laughs> that I saw, I think it's, I can't, it's called American something. And tr- truly these documentarians are so genius because they just they really captured the minutiae so there's like there's a table of casseroles that are no out. yeah hot dish. you bring a hot dish, hot to a dish swinger party beforehand Uh-oh. then they lay down that tarp steven showing oh, steven found karen steven wants karen to get the name right um is it it is it American Swing? It might be. No, just, no, no. It's the lifestyle. Okay. It's the lifestyle from 1999. Oh, and, 99. Yeah. A banner I, year for swingers. I just remember watching it on um, HBO's Real a Sex. A banner year for swingers. <laughs> You're right. That's like when the real sex thing where people started going, oh, other people are into yeah. this too. Yeah. Maybe I shouldn't be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just think it's like you I I the first thing you go to is like a 50 shades kind of like Christian Grey is waiting for me yeah. and then the world of taboo sex but I think it's I don't know well how would I know whatever I think it is I just base it on the documentary I saw and then it's just like it's like retirees in the OC in a house <laughs> it's like same with nudist colonies where it's just like no that you don't see lots of like 
pert titties. You see like <laughs> lots of balls. You, yeah, it's lots like of old man balls. People who are like, yeah, I don't give a fuck. Yeah, yeah. So God bless. <laughs> um, yeah, that's a lot. So what? That's it. I guess we have to start making shirts. <laughs> Swingerinos. <laughs> no pert titties. Welcome. <laughs> God, I'm embarrassed now. <laughs> no, I shamed you into it. I brought you down to no, my yeah. Catholic shame area. Thank you. It's comfy here. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you got? Oh, I wanted to say that um, in the fan cult this month, our live show episode that we're doing exclusively for the fan cult that we put up is from last year. It's from Detroit, night yep. one. Karen, you did the parrot murder right. guy. Yeah. And I did the Robeson family cabin murders. Mm-hmm. And that's up there. It was a great show. Yeah, it was a really fun show. Yeah. And um, yeah, so check that out. Yeah, if you be- if you join um, the fan cult, there's all these perks and we're basically trying to figure out what are the things that people have asked us for that they really want because of course on social media we hear all the time of like where's the show i went to and why are you always <laughs> screwing me over and it's like well, we just can't always post like live shows or like you know we save those yeah. and we put them up when we need to go on vacation or whatever yeah. and so we can't we have so many live shows and we've toured so much that we like try to piece them out and then it's like oh well if people really want that yeah. and they want to pay a little extra and get into this little fan cult yeah then that's where we're going to start posting things that's right and we're also about to leave on our fucking tour a fall tour so we'll be posting videos from backstage yeah every week we're posting unboxing videos of get, like amazing gifts that people have been giving us so yeah we're, um we're gonna and there's much more stuff planned for the f- fan cult too like when we just did um our mini-sode that uh we did in conjunction with the movie searching mm-hmm. and then the searching people gave us sony gave us a bunch of free tickets to searching for yeah. the fan cult members so there's tons of perks and they're building by the day by the minute i guess i thought i didn't have anything what i realized is i really <laughs> i just want to pitch you pyramid scheme style um <laughs> about joining the fan cult what if the fan cult was a pyramid scheme <laughs> that would be great it's a food pyramid scheme though <laughs> we're just getting everyone fat it's all about wheat bread and just like the benefits of wheat bread a v and i'm pitching my veganism food, food pyramid scheme right and i'm i'm pitching all pro gluten <laughs> i'm just like guys the new diet is to overstuff yourself with gluten do it it's about inflammation <laughs> just targeted inflammation the beauty of targeted inflammation you don't need fillers you just need to eat gluten that's right swell it up <laughs> That's a quickie. Should we start? <laughs> I know. We usually have so many other things to talk about. That's because usually we take like a, we've been like taking a week off in between. So there's so much going on. I mean, yeah. I guess I could do a corrections corner about my SARS guard and scars guard, you know, confusion a couple weeks ago I had, but everyone knows that by now. Oh, okay. I, I was wrong about that. Did you know that? Mm hmm. <laughs> Yo, yeah. Oh, I'm right there on the Twitter all the time. Yeah. I read it all as it comes in. I haven't been on Twitter in like, like a few weeks now. Oh, we miss you a lot. Thank you. God, that's... Yeah, we talk about it a lot. As long as you miss me, I'm not coming back. Okay, that's perfect. Right, once you forget me. Yeah, there's... I mean, it's pretty... (laughs) What are you going to say? Are you going to be mean? What are you going to say? No, not to you. I was about to say something about Twitter, but I said Pritter. (laughs) Then I just started going like, is this where it ends? Is this where... Is this the part where my brain slides out of my ear and it's all over? (laughs) Um, I was actually trying to think of, <laughs> I was trying to think of something I've watched on TV. Like, I'm excited because once again, it's Sinner Night. No, oh, it's over. Oh, no, wait. That's, sorry. I'm thinking of a different show. <laughs> <laughs> 
Have you been binging lots of stuff? No, I, yeah. I was thinking of, um, uh, what's the one with Amy Adams? Oh, a Sharp Objects. Yeah, that ended. Thank you for rem- letting me know that there's, like, there's something in the end credits, which I didn't realize. I would love to talk about the people who made that decision, to talk to them about that decision, because it's odd that they buried a key element of the plot in the end credits. Well, what I liked, what I read, when I read a bunch of shit about it, what someone theorized basically is that the whole show is from like Amy Adams' perspective, her character's perspective. Right. So they can't put this end part that's from this, from Emma's um, perspective. So they like put it in there because it's suddenly like, we're out of Amy Adams' character's world. Okay. We're suddenly in this crazy other world. That makes sense, except for how many people that just... Right. The second the show's over, you don't... Most people don't get through the first page of credits, and it's like no. off, and you're on to the next thing. I missed it. You told me about it. I was like, holy shit, I forgot about that. And someone told me again the next night about it. It was like, <laughs> oh my God, that's right. And then I watched it. I wonder, it maybe that's what they were thinking, is the excitement of word of mouth. Yeah. Yeah, so just know that, like, you know, 30 seconds into the end credits after the very last scene, which is, like, my favorite scene of the whole show, both of those girls, those women's faces deserve fucking Emmys. Yeah, just so good. The look on their faces is so good. Then there's just this, like, little, you know, clip. There's a key snippet. It's so good. It's crucial, and yet it's buried. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. Um, Oh, but... That was a good show. Yeah. I don't think we talked about it that much. Because we watched it at different times. Yeah, and I think it was good as a whole. Right. Well, Less you so know, than like episode by episode. You know what it is? I felt for me, my friend Jason, who I talked about a lot on the show, but I've known him since we worked at The Gap together mm-hmm. in San Francisco when we were 20. Um, and uh, he started it after me and he was in the pi- he was in the first episode and he was just like why is everyone talking about the show? I don't know and whatever. And I said, I understand, I said, I understand you get through the pilot and you'll and you will understand you don't like it because you had alcoholics in your family <laughs> and then he got through and he was like oh my god that's exactly what it was he was starting to get anxious yeah. because of all the drinking and what it felt like the there was a build and the, yeah. there's so much guilt going on there's so much bad vibes and bad family shit and drinking issues yeah. that if you were familiar with them at all you just go like I can't do this and problems that are like buried by their alcoholism yep. and actually i was saying to you last week or like the other day that like i've stopped drinking as much and i it hit me that maybe it's because of that show sure the fucking vodka in a smart water bottle oh, like daytime every time vodka. warm daytime or evian like the minute i like i could taste it when she would swig it yeah and i could just kept looking at her and being like oh my god you'd be so much less puffy stop it well and the thing of the, i felt like there was a lack a tiny tiny lack of realism in that if you drank all day around seven something really fucked up would have happened where I kept waiting for like, okay, this is the part where she's going to hit a kid on a bike. Everyone's driving drunk. Everyone's driving drunk and everyone's talking all the time drunk. Yeah. So it's like, there should be more fighting. There'd be like open hand face slaps and stuff. (laughs) Like what? Lots more whispering. (laughs) Lots more whispering. (laughs) So many more secrets. So many more secrets. There were secrets, but like the secrets would be told. Here's the thing. There would be no secrets in town. First of all, I love that shirt. It's a long sleeve. I love it. (laughs) Anyhow. Can I tell you something? Remember high school? I like <laughs> Spoiler <funny>. alert. <laughs> oh shit. No, it's not a spoiler, but it would be very 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. It just made me be like, well, I'm clearly not as good of an alcoholic as these people are. So I should just stop drinking as much. So I've stopped drinking as much. <laughs> yeah, so I would actually like to thank that show for that. Good. Keep That's coming it. back. <laughs> it really works. Um, <laughs> no, but I totally get it because it is... Uh, it's a real mirror. You know, the part that got me is she kept going to the same store with the same guy buying where there is a part of that. I remember doing that in San Francisco it would be the same guy and I'd be like cigarettes, beer, cigarettes, beer. And I became very indignant about it where it's like, mm. I'm fucking doing it and you can't keep me from doing it. And it's like, he doesn't want you to stop doing it. He's making money off. Yeah. You, but he's still looking at you with pity in his eyes. Well, when, when he like sometimes, go, wouldn't you go to a different store every day, like for three Not days? Not in a tiny town. Oh, yeah. Not in a fucking wherever they were Missouri yeah or wherever they were oh man it did make me happy to be from fucking bless it all Orange County for the first <laughs> time in my life bless it all oh man I was like thank god I'm right? not from Wingap oof Wingap also though when when that cop first shows up I was just like dude not uh. oh the so hot you're one? saying the hottest cop in America shows up to but he's from Kansas City I know he's like out of state cop, but still it's like, so they send, this is their expert from Kansas city who happens to be like captain hot bod. Get <laughs> out of here. I mean, that's TV. He did. He was like, get me out of here. He was like, I need to get out of here. Maybe. Oh, she's crazy. Yeah. I do. Oops, although I spoiler did. alert. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's so far past. Yeah. Um, but there was a couple great, like them talking in the bar was like mm-hmm. that's the upside of alcoholism where you're god damn i miss just like you're clever and you're quick you're, oh and you love yourself and you're just kind of like Get onto this train everything's kind of sexy yeah and, and messy sloppy a little slutty and sexy half tit out make out yes. out front of the bar get up on that p- fucking pool table get on it <laughs> What am I talking about? <laughs> Wait, no, I am into swinging. Now that, you know what? Now that we've talked through this, I am so into swinging. In a bar. From a, from a pool table <laughs> fucking public. chandelier. With some locals. That's not what they meant, Karen. <laughs> oh, just like, oh, it's not about swings? Oh, then I like it's it. It's not about swinging from a chandelier. It's about <laughs> love. It's about winging. True love. Okay. Patricia Clarkson is one of the greatest. Amy Adams, first of all, is one of the greatest actresses. She is so gorgeous. She played a Disney princess realistically. Like, you can't scratch her. And I think she's one of those people that gets ignored because she's so good. Mm -hmm. I'd just like to cite that. Patricia Clarkson is unbelievable. She was so good in this that I hated her. I hated hated her. her. I'll hate her forever because she was so good at this character. I hated her and I hated that kitchen. Anytime they went near that kitchen. There's lots of things that's so realistic of walking by a doorway and someone like, well, you, it looks like you're back home. And oh, yeah. they're like in the doorway, like, fuck, they caught the me way, in the doorway. Hear the, like the sound of the fucking screen door smacking closed when yeah. you came home in the morning mm-hmm. kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, I had one of those. Mm-hmm. <sighs> mm. Okay. Great show. Good job, everybody. Great job, everyone. So, yeah, we did have stuff Ashley, to talk we about. thought we had nothing to talk about. But look <laughs> at us. We have so much to talk about. Uh, I also have been watching a show called Your Worst Nightmare, What's which that? does tie into mine this week. But it's an ID channel show oh. that's just like, you know, one of the many. They figured out all the different ways to categorize true crime. So it's like oh, yeah. crazy women, mean women, <laughs> black widows, whatever. Yeah. There's all those. Um, but this one is Your Worst Nightmare. And it's really perfect because it's the it's basically that theme of what's the creepiest way. Right. 
a true crime murder could happen. Right. That's just what I need. Yeah. Really good to watch alone at night when the wind's blowing. Great. I did that to myself one night where I was like, what am I doing? Does the wind blow here? Oh, there was a earthquake. Probably not, but there was... Maybe it was just the bad vibes. There's a cat in the tree. <laughs> Shaking the tree outside. Something your made one noise, and then I went, What <laughs> am I doing? What am I doing? Well, Vince was out of town over the weekend, so I was like, Well, this is going to get ugly. You know, like, <laughs> we're going to have fun, Georgia. And uh, yeah, I did. I watched the new It with the Scars, Sars Guard. A Sars Guard or a Scars? One of them. I don't care. The yes, the clown is a scars guard. Stephen, the he's clowns? the hot one from Castle Rock. <laughs> what? Wait, he's I not s- related to Peter Skarsgård. The one in it is Bill Skarsgård, right? Who's With also Castle yeah. Rock. Okay, Skarsgård sounds like I, how would I how I would say Skarsgård when I'm shit faced. <laughs> so I I can't help you. Uh, Anytime you run into any of those men, you can be like, hi, Skarsgård, oh, and it'll be right, <laughs> as long as you do the drunk voice. And then their security will take you away from them. <laughs> <laughs> I like the idea that they travel in packs, uh-huh. no matter if they're related or not. If it's a Sars or Skarsgård, they're together. They're in one black SUV. It's weird. In their yearbook, they didn't even go to high school together, but they're next to each other in the yearbook. <laughs> they didn't even go to high school at the same high school. No. Nope. Same year. Nothing. S- different countries. Doesn't matter. And there are senior quotes to say this guy uh, I'm, I'm not, not a him. star <laughs> that's not me motherfucker <laughs> ow okay I think I go first this week yes that's Steven, right. I've, got, I've got the official nod from Steven Steven silent as a mouse over there <laughs> Highly professional. He's basically a scars guard. <laughs> Steven scars garden around over there like a clown in a rain gutter. If you're like me, you're always looking for a story to dive into. Whether it's a family drama or a mystery to solve, the key to getting hooked is the details. I need rich visuals and intricate storylines, and June's Journey has that and more. June's Journey is a mobile mystery game that follows June Parker, a daring young woman, on a quest to uncover the truth about her sister's murder. This is your chance to test your detective skills because you'll play the game as June herself. Explore beautifully designed scenes from the 1920s, like lavish estates and gardens, and don't forget to keep an eye out for hidden clues. There are twists, turns, and catchy tunes, all leading you deeper into the thrilling storyline. And if you play well enough, you could make it to the detective club. There, you'll chat with other players and compete with or against them. June needs your help, but watch out, you never know which character might be a villain. Shocking family secrets will be revealed, but will you crack the case? Find out as you escape this world and dive into June's world of mystery, murder, and romance. It's all just one tap away. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. That's June's Journey. Download the game for free on iOS and Android. Goodbye. Georgia, have you ever been blown away by the most simple dish at a restaurant? Like, perfectly scrambled eggs? Oh my God, yes, Karen. And then all I want to do is make that dish at home and eat it every day. Well, you probably could, as long as you have the chef's secret ingredient, Made In Cookware. Made In was created to bring restaurant-quality performance kitchenware to home chefs around the world. For years, they've built their business by supplying restaurants and top chefs with high-end cookware. Some of Tom Colicchio's most treasured dishes at his restaurant craft are made in Made In. Whether you're cooking for professional critics or just the critics you live with, your meals will benefit from the quality of Made In products. Like their carbon steel cookware, it combines the best of both cast iron and stainless steel clad, so it's rugged enough for grills or an open flame. It's the MVP of summer cookouts and cook-ins. 
What I really love about made-in cookware is that it actually makes something like having a Memorial Day barbecue much more convenient because you can keep everything on the grill if you need to throw, say, a pan of garlic up on the top while you're grilling your steaks on the bottom. It's strong enough, durable enough to do that. If you want to take your cooking to the next level, remember what so many great dishes have in common. They're all made in, made in. Save up to 25% this Memorial Day from May 18th through May 27th when you visit madeincookware.com. That's M-A-D-E-I-N cookware.com. Goodbye. Okay. So last week with Boys on the Tracks, I it was so much fun with the conspiracy theory elements of it that I love so much. So I put into Google, Google, Google. <laughs> <laughs> what if I had like 99 cents for a brand Google called Google? <laughs> Sponsored by Elmer's Glue. Google, we'll help you look stuff up. We don't really know that much. We're stuff, sorry though. your fingers are stuck on the keyboard now. <laughs> Stop eating that glue, Georgia. Okay. It's for kindergartners only. Google. Um, Google. Let's see here. Okay, so I looked up like what, like more murders with conspiracy theories, sure. in it, and I got uh fucking got hip to this one that I've actually wanted to do, not because of this, but like I then found out it had these like conspiracy angles. Ooh. So here's one I've wanted to do, and at the end we're gonna get into conspiracy town. Beautiful. Um, but in the meantime, this is the murder of British broadcaster and newsreader beloved. Beloved Jill Dando. Okay. All right. Never heard of it. Okay, great. I hadn't heard of it either till it was like some like late night E, you know, 10 shocking famous people murders. Right. And this is one of them. Okay. So, so let me tell you about Jill. Would you? Jill Dando was born on November 9th, 1961 in West Supermar, Somerset. That's a place. She was smart, well-liked, and is even voted head girl at her sixth form college okay she's None popular of- and sweet and lovely got it let me give you an image of what she looked like as an adult just so you haven't like in your head what she was like she was like a cross between so she becomes a journalist i'll tell you all about it but just so you have it in your head she's a cross between like diane sawyer mm-hmm. and lady diana okay so she's this lovely pretty blonde british smart kind-faced uh, news anchor. Got it. But anyways, let's go back. At 17, she got her first job as a trainee reporter for the local weekly newspaper, uh, the Weston Mercury, where her father and brother worked. So she'd always wanted to be a journalist. She studied journalism at South Glamorgan Institute of Higher Education in Cardiff. After five years as a print journalist, she started to work for the BBC. She becomes a newsreader, which is just what we call it newscaster for uh, bbc radio devon in 1985 she transfers to bbc southwest she uh, presented a regional news program with an e at the end of it um and then in the early 1988 she moved from regional to national television in london to present bbc's breakfast news so she Mm. becomes like the morning anchor essentially got it and so she's like her fucking star is rising you know and she's like in it with her new job she moves to london and she quickly becomes a household name in the bbc national news uh pro you know operation sure Uh, her warmth and professionalism endeared her to millions uh she's best known for hit shows like holiday where she fucking just goes on holidays smart dude take take that job and give it to me and also a show called antiques inspector which i'm like also i want that job (laughs) how cool is that this is uh before the road show starts where you have to look through (laughs) (laughs) i think it's essentially antiques road show but uh like original so she's inspecting shit. 
<laughs> Did you just make that up? No, I swear. I think oh, that's okay. what the show is like. <laughs> And then in 1995, she's... Because you basically just said, it's just antiques, but she inspects shit. So it's well, it's like, like antiques I could have told you that. <laughs> I could have g- g- gleaned Based that on from what? the t- Oh, oh, I didn't even... Oh. I thought she was like Inspector Morris, you know, and she's... I get it. No, yeah. And then in 1995, she's hired as... So, so there's a show called Crime Watch that's been on uh, since 1984. Mm-hmm. It's this huge show. I think it's kind of like how we had the current affair. It's like the, like, you know, nightly news of, like, current crime profiles and shit. Dateline. So, Dateline. A Dateline? Yeah. Yeah, but, like, yes. Dateline-y current affair type of thing. Okay. So uh, when it starts in 1984, by 1995, when she gets hired for it, she's only... The, the second co-presenter of the series so like it's a big fucking deal to get this job got it she it reconstructs major unsolved crimes in order to get new leads from the public to self to help solve them so, so almost like a fancier or like a more official unsolved mystery yeah, yeah yeah like but like a newsy time got one. it so she's fucking household name now huge and there's there is something about her and you should just like watch a clip online where she, her face her eyes are just so kind she has this beautiful bright open smile she's kind of self-effacing is that right mm-hmm. self-deprecating like she just seems like a really kind but very intelligent person someone that like if you get stuck let's say you get stuck in an elevator with on an earth in an earthquake you'd be like this chick's got this taken care of like she just seems to uh embody this confidence but it's you know kindness too got it she just like seems like a good person and everyone fucking says she is so 1997 she's awarded the bbc personality of the year okay so she's big time then in 1997, in December, she's set up on a blind date by a mutual friend with a dude named Alan Farthing. They fall in love. He, and I think this is how the friend knew him, is a gynecologist. Okay. That's awkward that your friend's like, you've got to meet my gynecologist. True. You know what I mean? Yeah. But he there's seems like a nice guy. That are very free and liberal with their bodies. Yeah. And Swinger you know what? Types. There's some people that are gynecologists. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> There's Otherwise, all, all types of people make up this you world. You know, swingers, gynecologists. Yes, that's the fri- whole friends range. of the two, and then friends. Right. I just love the idea that you just described this woman who seems so ideal in every way. She still has to get set up on blind dates. Yes. Isn't that always the way? Yeah, and she was like, they're like, she dated this person, dated that person, and of course, it's like in the papers, like in the you know what are they tabloids? Like she's dating Jill Dando's dating this guy, dating that guy, and so she's still just like, I can't find anyone, you know. And she's like 37 at this point, and still has to be fucking set up yeah which is like guys that's just how it goes it's okay she put her career first yeah and it worked out sure good for her um alan he seems like a nice guy they fall in love and they announced they're engaged in january of 1999 nice everything's going great for her she's 37 she's at the pinnacle of her career she's one of the most high profile tv presenters in the country and her life seemed to be on this great track when out of the blue she's murdered okay here we go so Uh. i know it sucks. On April 26th, 1999, it's a rare day off for Jill. Uh, she wakes up at uh, Alan's house. She doesn't live there officially. Her her house is on the market, but she stays most nights with Alan. Um, and he lives in Chiswick, which is in London. 
And uh, she left around seven or eight to run some errands. She fills up her gas tank. She goes to the market. And of course, in London, there's CCTV footage everywhere. So they can kind of track where she goes. And then she heads back to her house around 1130 in the morning to grab some crap. Parks her car on the street, which I'm sure I was thinking about. Like, even when you're a fucking famous newscaster, you don't have parking in London. Like, no. That's just how life is. It, they don't. They just don't have it. It sucks. Yeah. Uh, and then she is, walks towards her front door. Her little Victorian terraced home. So it's essentially just like, you know, a block of these cute British houses. It's like this little two-story Victorian era with a little gate at the front, a tiny little front patio yard kind of thing. Yeah. So 15 minutes later, a passing neighbor named Helen uh, Doble, who was on, she was friendly with Jill. She saw Jill's car was there. So she's walking by Jill's house and she like looks over to be like, what's up? How are you? Whatever. So she looks over and into Jill's yard as she's passing by and notices that up at the walkway by the door, Jill is slumped against her door frame and um, Helen sees blood pooling around her. Ugh. And Helen notices so much blood that initially she thought Jill had been stabbed. And based on what she could see, which wasn't too far up the walkway, she concludes that Jill's already dead. Whoa. So she does, she's must be into fucking true crime because she's like, I don't want to disturb the crime scene. Yep. She sees that the, that her, the gate is closed, which she knows is weird. And so she doesn't go in. She calls emergency services right away, lets them know what's going on, lets them know who the victim is. Um, police arrive at the scene soon after and Jill's body is airlifted to the hospital. So it's determined that Jill, so she had walked, uh, up her walkway and reaches into her bag to grab her house keys when at that moment someone approaches her from behind, forces her to her knees and shot a single bullet at her left temple just behind her ear execution style in broad fucking daylight mm -hmm. it's 11 30 in the morning and this like you know busy neighborhood yeah execution style shoots one of the most famous newscasters in london or yep. in england excuse me she's uh, jill dando is officially pronounced dead at 103 p.m Wow. So forensic investigators swept the scene for evidence. They didn't find anything except for a single bullet casing. It was the type that came from a rare nine millimeter semi-automatic Browning pistol. And due to the strange nature of the casing, it had like some scratches and some weird stuff on it. Investigators thought that the killer had like fucked with the gun to make it different somehow mm -hmm. and uh, but the gun was never found and that they had made the gun altered the gun specifically for that murder mm -hmm. so whatever what followed is one of the largest and most expensive police investigations ever to take place in britain so jill danda's neighbor Richard Hughes, so they had no forensic evidence at all. The only thing they can do is get eyewitness evidence. They, or uh, testimony. They see, their, the neighbor Richard Hughes described how he, so he had heard a woman scream. Um, but he said that it sounded more like the woman had been surprised, not scared. Mm -hmm. Um, he said he looked out his bedroom window and saw a man between 30 and 40 years old and an average height moving briskly towards Fulham Palace Road. And CCTV footage shows a speeding blue Range Rover right after the murder. And a similar car is seen parked illegally on Jill Street that morning. There's also a photo of a well-dressed man sweating at a bus stop on his cell phone near the murder scene shortly after the shooting as well. But outside of these sightings, which are so random and might have nothing to fucking do with the murder. Right. Um, police aren't able to find any other reliable eyewitness accounts. So... 
Jill's death, of course, sends shockwaves through the nation. Um, she had been dubbed British TV's golden girl. And so her high profile murder, which seemed to them, to them at that point, execution style, um, populated the papers for months. The police named her the search for her uh, killer operation Oxborough. And it was the Metropolitan Police's largest criminal investigation since the Yorkshire Ripper, Whoa. which you had done. Right. And that was in the 80s. I don't think I did that. Did you? I don't know. Let's see. Da, 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 led by Chief Inspector Hamish Campbell. Hamish Campbell. So no murder weapon, no motive, no eyewitnesses. Police, of course, face mounting pressure. And um, over the course of the inquiry, over 2,000 people were named as Jill Dando's killer from anonymous tip lines. Within six months of her death, more than 2,500 people had been spoken to and police had taken more than 1,000 statements. Investigators even used her own show, Crime Watch, to try to get information on her murder. Wow. I know. Which produced hundreds of phone calls, but none that produced any helpful leads. So p- police meticulously looked at 191 CCTV, video- CCTV videos, only to find that no one followed Jill that day. So they looked at every place she had gone to. They looked at her when she got home. No one followed her up the walkway. No one followed her. There wasn't the same person at all the locations she had been to. Right. So um, police then scrutinized her fans looking for someone with an unhealthy interest in her. But out of the 4,000 of her fans that they looked into, they found 150 who seemed to have an unhealthy interest in her. And they said only found 150. I'm like, that's fucking too many of people to have an unhealthy interest in someone. They discovered one fan was running her BT account, which I think is her British telecommunications account. So like her phone account, which meant that they uh, could look into Jill's phone calls and phone numbers. And they also found somebody who had 150 pictures of her on his computer. And then one guy who tried to take over her utility bills. But none of these people they thought showed that their interest was more than a fantasy or fixation. The utility bills thing's a bit odd. It is weird. I don't know really what that, like, they were trying to pay them or they were trying to, like, get access to them. Yeah, I don't know. What, yeah. What maybe to see when she's home. Well, to know when her lights are on and when she's home and not home, maybe. Oh, I don't know. Or just maybe it's just a random, like, crazy concept. Like, someone's so yeah. out of it that they're just... That it only makes sense to them. Could, it's so could be weird that kind of thing. to me, and I'm sure this was weird to them too, is that like, if she's just stopping by to pick some stuff up, then they don't know when she's going to be home. Right. In my mind, my first thought would be like, well, this is like an intruder who got caught or like a pe- guy who was trying to be a peeping Tom who randomly got caught because he didn't know she wasn't home or wouldn't, you know, would be coming home randomly or didn't think she'd be coming home at all, was going to break in. Who knows, right? Yeah. So about a month in the investigation, the police come across a name that piqued their interest. It's a guy who lived half a mile from Jill's house. His name was Barry George, and he had emerged as a suspect because he had been agitated on the day of the crime when discussing his problems with his GP and his housing association. So, like, a couple people were like, he came in that day and he was acting fucking weird and, you know, called him in. So, police look into him, and they find that in 1983, he had pled guilty to attempting to rape a woman. And there was a note in his file that he'd been arrested on the grounds of the royal palaces where the, where Prince Charles and Princess Diana were living. Whoa. And when he was arrested, it was because he looked suspicious because he was wearing camo and he had a length of rope and a knife tied around his shoulders, which sounds fucking suspicious. Yeah, I mean, that's beyond suspicious and aggressive. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's not even hidden or anything. No. 
Wow. So Barry George had many aliases under the name Barry Bulsara. He claimed that he was the cousin of Queen singer Freddie Mercury, and he was obsessed with Freddie Mercury. Um, he got convicted for several offenses under some of these other aliases he had, he had used. Uh, so that meant that like when the detectives looked into this guy, Barry George, they didn't realize that this other guy, Barry Bolsara had uh, issues too. So they didn't put it together at first who he God, was. It's so weird that there was a time where you could have like a fake identity and get prosecuted under a fake identity and totally. they don't find out. Totally. That's, that's some 80 shit right there. That's 99. Though. Oh, I thought it was. Yeah. Well, I guess yeah, it was in the eighties, but yeah, I mean, who knows if that still happens though. So I don't think so. I have <laughs> everything. It's computers. I know, but what if they're not like? What if you have legit docs that show who you are, and you give a different one every time? But how how would you get those? I don't know. I don't. I don't know either. Let's send Steven to the DMV, see if we can get him to get a fake ID <laughs> and set up a whole a PO box. It just feels like that's the the place where Let's fake IDs and like fake uh, identities should stop is at the police department. That's yes. that's where all that should be uncovered. Lots of stuff should stop there. <laughs> yeah, one would hope. <laughs> one would cross their fingers tightly. Um so, so he's known in the area for wandering around the streets. He's kind of like a local, like a known, like weirdo. Mm -hmm. Um, a local taxi f uh, firm had also called the police right after the shooting to say that they were concerned about a man who kept coming in and he seemed to be constructing an alibi, being like, I was here, right? Or like, give me a ride. I was here. Oh. Police then found that he had a history of following and photographing women. When they searched his house, they found a bunch of, uh, un, uh, what's it called with the film rolls? Undeveloped. Uh huh. They tallied that he was, he had been stalking over 480 women at the time. Whoa. So just like taking photos of women and like just stalking. That's so many. That's so many. And like, of course, at the time, there weren't stalking laws. It's not, it's not how it is today should have been how it was 50 years ago. So we're still behind. Yeah. But at that time, there was none, you know? Right. And at that point, if you're stalking 480 women, how can they tell? Doesn't it just seem like you're taking pictures of yeah. women? It's like, yeah. but I mean, that's how intense it must have been. Totally. Just, I mean, who knows? Yeah, it's crazy. And um, the in the inquiry also in in revealed that he had an interest in firearms. Not that he owned any, but that he was like a fucking gun nut. He reminds you know the movie. I mean, the TV show Spaced. Simon yes. Pegg. Yeah, yeah. I, it's like one of my favorite, absolute favorite shows. But the, the his best friend, Simon Pegg's best friend in it. Yeah. If you watch that, it's who that reminds me of. <laughs> but not a nice guy. That guy's a lovely angel. What's yes. his name? Um, okay. So. It's the guy that's in all the Simon Pegg movies, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. What's his I love? Okay. Steven will get it. Steven. Nick Frost. Nick Frost. Nick Frost thank you. Oh, my right. God. Sorry, so, Nick Frost. Nick Frost in Spaced, but a creep. Nick Frost also has a really awesome, um, like, futuristic outer space show that's hilarious that has the tall girl that we've talked about mm -hmm. and now it's we're just like naming random trying to describe british actors it's not <laughs> it's not a good road to go down that's your favorite hobby <laughs> it though is. It is. Okay. um ba, 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 ba. okay so over a year after jill's murder when they finally put it together that this is the same guy um, police are confident that they had strong enough evidence to arrest Barry George and they get a warrant to search his house. They find his flat is stacked to the ceilings with newspapers. He's like a hoarder. So to some people, it's like, yeah, he had some like newspapers with 
Jill Dando's death in them. So mm-hmm. I'm like, oh my God, why did he have that? But others are like, well, he just fucking didn't get rid of newspapers. Yeah, he kept so, all the newspapers. Right. Yeah. So it didn't seem like, you know, people like us were like, he didn't do it. It's like, well, you know. Um, but there, uh, but there wasn't any evidence of him having an obsession with Jill. There was no creepy murder shrines and all this shit. The neighbor right next, who lived next door, who had heard the scream and looked out the window and right across the street, who had both seen someone departing from the gate. Neither of them are able to ID Barry in a lineup. In fact, they each picked a different person for the ID, mm-hmm. which is not good. Right. No, it's great for Barry. It's great for Barry. However, forensics finally get a breakthrough. So they had gone through his house. They had collected all the shit. They had taken it from his house to a photography studio to photograph the evidence, which is weird. That's not what they usually do. Um, Like they didn't have a a police photographer. Yeah, on the scene. They had taken it out to a different location, which I think now we know is chain of evidence that's an easy way to just dis- to dis- contaminate to discredit for the defense to discredit and debunk it right yeah. so they get a breakthrough they had found a very small amount of firearm discharge in the pocket of a coat that they had taken into custody and it was the coat that that barry george himself said that he was wearing the day of the murder okay so they take that coat in they get it forensically fucking whatever they find this little bit of uh, firearm discharge it was a half of one thousandth that one thousandth of an inch that they found okay that's hardly any so the chemical composition matched that of the bullet that killed jill dando oh but they also find a single fiber on the crime scene that matched a pair of trousers that barry george owned as well so with this information alone they're like great and on may 29th 2000 barry george is formally charged with the murder So, the trial became one of the most controversial cases in British criminal history. Of course, George Barry, Barry George, pleads not guilty. It's hard. It's hard, you know? With those two first names. I mean, yeah. And one of them is kind of my name, and I just want to say it first. Mm -hmm. He pleads not guilty, of course. He's accompanied by a psychiatrist during the trial to help him follow the case because he suffers from serious epilepsy. And he had... She just pointed at me. You know. <laughs> You're kind. <laughs> One of you. Well, I thought maybe you could attest to how hard it is to follow your own trial. Is that I've, true? I've had a terrible time about, about at least four different times. <laughs> Out of ten. Mm-hmm. True or false? Okay. Uh, and he had difficulties concentrating because it's found later that his IQ is in the mid-70s. Same. So... <laughs> What if I pointed at you and I said that to It's 70s, Karen. so you know how that is. I mean, <laughs> so, like, he had, he definitely had uh, ADHD. It's possible that he had Asperger's, but his IQ is also really low, and he suffered from epilepsy, so he had all these issues, um, making it hard for him to kind of understand what was going on. And, mm-hmm. and that's why they wouldn't let him testify, because he would have incriminated himself, probably, because he didn't understand the severity of the circumstances. Right. So... Hold for a large plane. Regarding this flimsy forensics evidence, you know, the defense argues that the jacket, so the jacket had been removed from its protective bag, had been placed upon a work surface in the (laughs) (laughs) photographic studio. And the photographic studio, this is all I could find about it, that it housed ammunition. What? Yeah. So you're like, don't take it there. 
Yeah, that's an odd combination. So maybe it was just like, it was like, may, perhaps it was the studio that they used for evidence to photograph it there, but that means that ammunition would have come in and out of it. Right, if it's a police photography studio or whatever. Exactly. Which is why the hell do you Which is why you don't do it there. (laughs) You do it, yeah. So items found at the crime scene, such as the bullet and cartridge, as well as Jill Dando's front door, which is where the bullet hit after passing through uh, her head, were photographed in the studio. So the bullet and everything was photographed there. Then they brought the jacket and they're like, oh, look. And then they found found one one thousandth of a person. Yeah. But inside a pocket, Mm -hmm. which is weird, too. Right. But so it was probably on the Q-tip or whatever the fuck they use. Yeah, I mean, that's highly contaminated. Right. That's just crazy. It's like should be thrown out. The evidence should be thrown out immediately, which I think the defense tried to do. And, you know, I think that there was such fervor over getting this case solved that it was it was one of those profile. Right. That it could be. It was one of those. You motherfuckers better catch this guy. This is insane. This beloved person, you know, so they went with what they had. Um The search team who recovered the jacket had not worn forensic clothing while searching George's flat. One of the officers who was present who had handled the jacket had handled ammunition while wearing the same clothing that he had on then. So he probably put his fucking hand in the pocket. Right. Yeah. But guess what? He was found guilty. That's right. Yeah. And on July 2nd, 2001, he's sentenced to life in prison. Mm -hmm. So... For for years after his conviction, though, people campaigned for Barry George's freedom because they felt like he had been taken advantage of due to his mental uh, illness and his mental capacities. Yeah, because if you pull back a little bit, yeah. it really does seem like, oh, they just got the irritating guy that that was overtly mentally ill. Creepy guy. Walking around the street. Yeah, who it's, did sexually assault. Like, you can't argue that. Like, he, he did. He has a bad past. There's yeah. some serious issues. But it's, like, so convenient. Totally. That, that that's the guy. And listen... Maybe it fucking was him, but you can't take someone to court based on this stuff, you know? Well, just, you know, from my professional stances, uh, having done 100 of these and just knowing how they all go, it's not enough evidence. It's not. That's, that's not a, that's not the solid case where you're like, we've got the guy. And to, to that point, if you have an IQ of 70 and you have all of these fucking health, mental health issues, you don't commit the perfect crime. You no, can't yeah. commit the perfect Sorry. crime. That's a great point. You don't run from the scene without any blood on you. You don't know to use a silencer. You don't know how to shoot someone so that blood doesn't get on you. You don't avoid CCTV footage and, you know, you don't not talk to someone about it. Because, like, apparently he would just, he talked a lot and would tell people about his obsession with celebrities. And he would tell everyone, like, this is who I'm obsessed with this day. And no one ever remembered him talking about Jill. Yeah. Like, he just didn't. It didn't make sense for him. Right. Maybe it was a fucking insane stalker fan, but it doesn't sound like him. Right. So, anyways. Okay. Eight years after his sentencing and numerous turn down appeals, George is finally granted a second trial. When it came out, the gun trace obtained from his coat was discredited as a reliable source of evidence, which is like the stuff we have now, too, where it's like blood splatter evidence doesn't fit. Right. And doesn't make sense. So one one thousandth of anything shouldn't mm-mm. count. Shouldn't count. Absolutely not. So the f- oh, and the coat, it had been a year since he since the murder and he had had it dry clean and worn it since then. Too. When they found that? When they took the coat into custody. <laughs> okay. Yeah. 
So it wasn't him. Yeah. Okay. So he's acquitted on November 2000, in November 2007, despite he, he's trying to claim 500,000 pounds in compensation for his wrongful conviction, but it's been turned down by then home secretary Kenneth Clark, who ruled that he was not quote in not innocent enough. Oh, <laughs> and that the conviction was not so unfair as to be considered a miscarriage of justice. So you got acquitted, but they're like, yeah, but not hard enough. I mean, it's, this is truly an either or situation. Uh-huh. You're innocent or guilty. And then like a new law was pl- passed around that time that was like, well, if you want to get compensation, you have to prove your innocence. Wow. Yeah. Which is like, what? That's well, mind boggling. It makes sense though, because it's like, they don't want to be paying out people. I mean, they want to, they want to be paying people who it's, they've been wrongfully convicted. And it's been proven like by DNA or something that they're innocent. Yes. But he just got off because the, yeah, I see what you're saying. I mean, yeah, it's it's not like they were like you didn't do it. They were like the evidence show doesn't show that you did it beyond a reasonable doubt. Yeah, I mean that's a it's a weird gray area. It's almost like they won't give it to him until they until someone else gets. Yeah, that, that it's proven beyond a shadow of a doubt. That it's but it's like else. it's like a shadow of a of a assurance that he did do it is what got him in there in the first right. place. So right, it's this. You know, shadow shouldn't be involved. It's just shadowy. It's super shady. A lot of shadowy figures. Mm -hmm. Hey, let's talk about some of them. Okay. Let's go to theories. So there's a bunch of theories about, there's like six strong ones, but there's about, of course, a ton. I was listening to a podcast that has a lot of them that you can listen to about it. Um, It's the podcast is called Unseen. And, but I'm just going to go over two little ones and then my favorite one. Um, okay. So after he's acquitted, there are about 52,000 documents from his, uh, from Barry George's legal team that are made public and some of which helped the public create new theories that they felt the police overlooked in their quest to pin it on George. So the first one that I found interesting, uh, is that the IRA was involved, (laughs) the Irish Republic Army, Republican Army, that they chose Jill Dando as a target because of her links with the police through her show Crime Watch. And they actually, a letter was found in those documents of a dude who was in prison who admitted to killing uh, with a, with a bunch of people that they killed her for the IRA and I mean, it's just kind of nutty. Bullshit. I yeah, I don't believe it. As a member of Shane Fenn, I'd like to say that's bullshit. I'm <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. Um, but of course then at the time there was already peace talks going on. So the government knew about it, but didn't want them, didn't want to like pin it on the IRA because then the peace talks would have blown up. Yes. Blah, I blah, mean, blah. You know, it's, there's, a, I mean, and also it just seems, a bit far away. It's just like, oh, we're gonna, w- if we assassinate this mm-hmm. newscaster, these things will happen. Or it's like, that's, it doesn't, that doesn't directly track in any way. Well, look, way to get to mind that's similar, okay. but it does directly track. The okay. other one was that in 2014, a former colleague of Jill's came forward and said that Jill was trying to expose a VIP pedophile ring Whoa. just months before her death. And the pedophile ring had named high profile celebrities. Here's the thing. Those pedophile rings in England have been proven to be real. Well, it's that one dude who was like the BBC presenter guy. Yes, Jimmy Somerville, who's the right. creepiest of creeps. That's right. So they think it was like that's like that's, related to that yeah Whoa. i don't think so because i don't know why i don't think she would have had information that could have been si- like could have been silenced b- by killing her 
I don't think she, you know, she was the presenter and she was a journalist, but there were, you know, teams it of wasn't people she, behind like she her. She was a newspaper investigative journalist. That, yeah, right. Exactly. You know what I mean? She like, a presenter. It wouldn't have stopped at her. Right. Maybe it would have sent a message, but I don't think that it would have sent a big enough message for everyone to be like, never mind. You know what I mean? Because it ended up coming out anyways. Mm-hmm. So, but it's interesting. Yeah. All right. So here's the one I like the most. And this is conspiracy theory time. So in 2012, a story came out about the widow of a renowned Serbian journalist named uh, Slavko Korovija. So this dude, Slavko, he had been murdered during the Kosovo War mm-hmm. in an almost identical circumstances to Jill, just 15 days before Jill. Oh. So... uh the widow came forward to say that she's convinced that Jill Dando was shot by a hitman acting on orders given from the same person who had ordered her husband's hit, Serbian dictator Slobodan Milosevic. Whoa. Okay. This fucking shit goes deep. And I'm like now really, really wanting to look into the Kosovo war because it's bananas. So this, so this guy, uh, Slavko Korovija, he was a critic of the Serbian, the Serb regime. And he was this big journalist owned a newspaper and he had been shot dead outside their home in Belgrade. Both victims were high-profile journalists, Jill and this guy. Both were returning home when they were approached from behind, forced to the ground, and shot in the head at close range. Whoa. 15 fucking days apart. So why would Jill be targeted by the Serbian regime, you ask, Karen? That's a great question. Thanks. Uh, well, just weeks before her death, Jill had fronted a TV appeal for Kosov- uh, Kosovan, uh, Kosovo and uh, Albanian refugees being driven out of their home by militias backed by the Yugoslavian president. So she does this kind of like, uh, you know, heart to heart news program being like, we need to help these poor um, refugees, showing footage of what's going on, explaining what's happening, really anti-Serb. Uh, and uh, apparently it, it enraged the Serbian paramilitaries, which is like fine. I bet a lot of fucking news, rep- like news reporters were doing that. It's not like they wanted to get her specifically for saying that. It wouldn't have done anything. But at that point, NATO had gotten involved in the war in Kosovo. And on April 23rd, 1999, had bombed a state-owned TV station in Belgrade. Fucking NATO did this. Whoa. They killed 16 workers at this news station, including a makeup artist and an electrician. It was all just like, you know, regular workers there. Yeah. Um, at the time, it was NATO's first offensive action against a sovereign nation in, in its 50-year history. Wow. And the British broadcast, the BBC, reported that the station was targeted because of its role in Belgrade's uh, propaganda campaign. Mm-hmm. So they said it was fucking justified because this was a propaganda machine. So they killed the makeup artist and the fucking cameraman and the electrician and shit so 15 days later jill's killed so the day after jill's murder an unidentified man called the bbc and he had an accent he told the operator because your government this is quote because your government and in particular your prime minister blair murdered butchered 17 innocent young people he butchered we butcher back the first one you had yesterday the day after jill's fucking murder whoa the chief inspector Hamish Campbell, who led the manhunt, said that the theory was only considered, quote, for a short while, but instead police focused their attention on George. Oh, dude. I know. So, uh, that, like, that to me is, it makes sense. It's this fucking international crazy conspiracy that they're like, you killed, you bombed this fucking, you know, news station. We're going to kill 
and they they threatened other specific newscasters at BBC. Right. Then nothing ever happened, but they got a couple different phone calls from it. Can I add to something Please. just as I make it up? Please, always, always. That they were like, all right, pin it on the the local eccentric, bounce this over to MI5, and that's why no one else got murdered that they probably had things in place but it went full-on deep cover cia british style which is mi5 the police might not even know like the local police who are the you know chief inspector maybe him but not the rest might not even known that like the mi5 was like let's make it look like this this dude barry george this local fucking weirdo who's also like been arrested and charged with rape let's make it look like he did it yeah Let's put, you know, a fucking gun particle in his pocket. So the the police and the people who are arresting him might not even know about it. It's not like everyone's behind this. Right. Because this Just does, it, it's so high level, like spy shit. Yeah. yeah. That's crazy. And then if you, if MI5 comes out and they're like, this is what happened, then you're going to fucking war. Then it's going to yes. be war. Right. Nobody wants, well, everyone wants war in the government, but nobody <laughs> wants war. <laughs> right. Like, they're trying to prevent the, like, larger and larger action. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So maybe they, like, behind closed doors, you know, put a fucking quash on this whole thing. Somehow. And we're like, we don't need to take this any further. Yeah. And Jill fucking Dando was the person who got sacrificed for it. Right. So, that sucks. As of now, the police maintain their belief that Jill was killed by a crazed and obsessed stalker, maybe someone she was familiar with, and they're still kind of going in that angle, but they're not, it's not like, it doesn't seem like it's an active investigation at the moment. Right. And almost, it's been almost 20 years since her death, but Jill Dando's case remains opened and unsolved. I bet so many British people are like, I remember that day type of thing. That's just so shocking and awful. I think it was like similar to when Princess Diana died it's just this like well this person doesn't is this lovely person who represents this you know brit like this who we are and what we care about and yeah and is has a senseless death and someone needs to fucking pay for this or someone needs to come to justice for this it's just really awful also you know you when you said none of the cctv footage showed anybody like that's highly suspicious because like you said if the if it was the eccentric wandering around and being the way he always was right you would have seen him walk up walk down walk, be in the neighborhood do something not he wouldn't be you know, a like shadowy figure that just disappears. Yeah. Whereas if it was some kind of spy shit, you know, well, there's like that weird Land Rover, which everyone knows fucking shady people drive Land Rovers. (laughs) Especially in LA. Especially in LA. Shadiest. And then they, yeah, it's just this weird, like it makes so much more sense. It's a professional hit. It's like someone who has been trained. Come in, come out. And the thing that everyone who, who saw this person who may or may not have been the killer, who also like was seen on closed caption is that he looked, he looked, uh, well to do and normal. Yeah. He looked well to do. Yes. Which is the perfect cover, right? Yep. You look like a fucking normal person. Don't yes. look like a spastic local fucking weirdo. No, you look like a rich guy and yeah. everyone's like, well, it can't be the guy in the, in no. the Range Rover. That there's guy's a, a normal guy. Yeah. yeah he's he's a guy. Right. Wow. And there's like more shit about this killer and that killer. And it's just a bit in Kosovo and it's just like fucking bananas crazy yeah wow so that's, that's the murder amazing. of fucking jill dando wow yeah 
There's something about the sound of an old-timey cash register that really takes me back. I know. It sounds like someone is about to hand me an ice cream cone, but it also sounds like we just sold some merch. That's right. And if you're a Shopify user like us, you know that this sound means you just made a sale. Shopify has helped millions of businesses sell their products online, but did you know they also offer the same support for brick and mortar stores? From accepting payments to managing inventory, they have everything you need to sell in person. So give your point of sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify POS tracks sales across all your locations. That way you'll always know what you have in stock and where. They also provide reliable tech that fits your unique retail needs, like turning a tablet into a credit card reader. And if you're looking to reach new customers, check out Shopify's marketing tools. They're easy to use and they integrate with all social media platforms. With Shopify, we have a powerful partner for managing our sales. And if you're a business owner, you can too. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period today at shopify.com murder. And here's the important note, that promo code is all lowercase. So go to shopify.com slash murder and take your retail business to the next level. That's shopify.com slash murder. Again, don't forget the code is all lowercase. Goodbye. You want a pillow? (laughs) You have some over there. Do you need more? No, no, I'm fine. I just can't step... No, I'm good. Getting pillows. <laughs> okay, so for for mine this week, and I told you a couple days ago, I was like, I'm so excited for my story this week. Yeah. <clears throat> I love that. And uh, I'd never heard of this, and I never, I mean, not even like an inkling, because, and I can't believe that because it has everything I love. It has a combination of, and when obviously we say love, Mm -hmm. we mean things I'm most horrified by. It's attraction repulsion. Look it up in a psychology book. Yes. Um, But the only reason I know about it is because uh, a lovely murderino on Twitter uh, at Santina Lynn 33, they sent it to me and basically said, I think you would like this. And I hit the link and was just like, man, you're right. Shit. Man, you're right. Um, so I'm going to mislead a little bit and not say the actual title of what I had originally. And we're just going to call this the Andrews Family Haunting. Oh, my God. I love it. I love it. Yeah. I yeah. love it. Yes. I'm here for this. It's inc- it's such a tragic story. It's like there's just nothing but tragedy in every direction. And it is that kind of like it, this swirling thing of when children are abused, when people are left alone, when uh, like all just all those things kind of coming together in one terrible tragedy. The kind of thing where you're like, well, I don't believe in ghosts, but if there's ever going to be one, these are the circumstances that are going to create. That's right. This sense. Okay. Okay. Let's do it. So it is. The fall of 1986, and um, we're in a suburb outside of Boston, Mass., uh, and it's called Pepperell. That's how I'm just going to pronounce it, Pepperell. We'll see what happens. Great. So it's the Andrews family. It's the father, Brian, and then his two daughters, Annie, who's 15, and Jessica, who's 8. And they have just lost their mother from cancer. It's obviously... The, a terrible loss. The family is grieving. Um, it's a really hard time for them. The, their father is a really hard worker. He's a bus driver and he's working to keep the family together. But, you know, it, it what a terrible time to lose your mom. And, um, and just really also, as everybody knows, so many people have been affected by cancer. It's just the saddest, you know, watching 
somebody get cancer, be diagnosed with it, and then, you know, uh, uh, the eventual sickness or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like so many people, the only good thing is so many advances have been made in cancer and some it's so different than it was in the 80s yeah. when it would just immediately be a death sentence but it's it's a ravaging terrible disease and so many people know know that and experienced it so brian is just trying to keep his teenage daughter and his eight-year-old daughter together and okay but they spend tons of time alone at the house because you know he has to work so much mm-hmm. and they hang out they watch tv together you know so in the middle of all this kind of sad sadness and and this is also you now it's 86 so we have to go back before the internet we go back before texting we go back before everything and this is all about the phone Mm-mm. um this is when the ringing phone had the potential of everything of the, the mm. your your golden teenage years coming through that phone line what could it be that's what it was all about so one night the phone rings and annie picks it up and it's a boy on the other end of the line and he introduces himself. Um, he says his name's Danny and then he got her phone number from a mutual friend of theirs at her school. And she's th- the older one. The teenager. She's the older one. She's 15. Okay. And the boy says that he saw her and he asked their friend for her phone number. He explains he goes to a different school. He describes himself. He's athletic. He's tall. He's blonde. You know, I don't know if he said he was good looking, but that's just the idea that she got that he was, you know, basically like captain of the football team style dude at a different school who's interested in her. So of course you're 15. It's like what you are waiting for and living for. Totally. A 15 year old girl. It's a fucking babysitter's club novel. It fully is. Yes. Um, But over the phone. So she's thrilled. They chat on the phone for, you know, Mm -hmm. like into the night or whatever and have great conversations. And that happens a couple times. And Finally, he asks her on a date. He asks her to the fair and she says yes. And so the big day arrives. The doorbell rings. She runs downstairs, opens the door. Standing there is a short, non-athletic, dark-haired, very acne-covered mm. boy who introduces himself as Danny. Mm-mm. And of course, she's immediately, she's disappointed. She's trying not to act like she is. She's trying to be nice. She feels like she still has to go on this date with him, even though she's like, this is so weird. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she goes. And the date lasts one hour uh, because almost immediately she's getting weird bu- vibes from this kid. And as they're having their, you know, having their get to know you conversation. And at one point she explains that her mother's recently died from cancer. And suddenly he perks up and he starts asking her all these questions. And she's kind of like, what the fuck? And he's like, like overly curious about her mother dying of cancer to the point where he's like, how to tell me how you felt this the moment you you uh found out she oh was my dead God. this feels like a fucking uh What's it called? Urban legend so far. Yes, it has all those things where you're just like, oh, a great thing. Oh, no, it's the worst version mm-hmm. of this thing that I thought it was supposed to be. And it's like, it's an 80s version of catfishing. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's 15, so she doesn't know how to assert herself. Sure. She doesn't know how to go, hey, fuck you, dude. You sold me a bill of goods. Well, you're yeah. not who I think you are. I'm not comfortable. Goodbye. Yeah. But in that hour, suddenly he's saying... Um, he's asking her to describe how her mom suffered all this stuff and finally um she's she's like yeah this is super weird like goodbye and walks away um oh that was after he made a joke about her mom dying of cancer so she's just like 
never talk to me again. Don't call me anymore uh-huh. and leaves. Good girl. So she's back at home and back to kind of like sad life with her and her sister kind of being like latchkey-ish. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're spending lots of time home alone. They miss their mom. So one night they decide they're going to do a seance mm. to try to see if they can contact their mom. They go up into the attic. They do all the things they think you're supposed to do to have a seance, light a candle. They're doing some chanting, whatever. Their dad opens the door. He comes home from work, opens the door. It, they end it. But they had been starting to get this weird feeling and they thought it was like really working or whatever. And then the dad walks in and is like, what are you two doing? You know, whatever. Get out of the, get out of the attic. No candles. No candles in this house. Sure. And, candle, and I would like to candles say. Candles in the attic. No. <laughs> the dad's worried about his daughters. Obviously, they're really suffering through the loss of their mom. He doesn't really know what to do. And he's kind of weirded out by that behavior. So... Shortly after they have this seance, they start hearing tapping and knocking in the house when they're home by themselves. Mm. And at first, you know, freaks them out. They try to go see where it's coming from. They can't find it. It goes away. And that it's like this recurring thing and gets louder, gets more insistent. And it at one point, it's just constant. Like one night it's there and there's just constant tapping. No, light the house on fire and leave. Right. Uh, no, 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 no. Yeah. No. So they're like, fuck, we, this is bad. Yeah. And like, this is some, you know, this is, this is not good. Also, it's a thing, like I was saying before, like, you're home alone. Yeah. I mean, I'm uh, like, uh, uh, so old. And when I'm home alone, you hear one noise. Yeah. And you're like, you want to run out into the street. Totally. That's kind of why I love living in apartment buildings because it's like, you can just blame it on anything else. Yes. And there's so many people right nearby. There's right. 30 people right now. Yeah. If once I live in a house someday, I'm not going to be happy. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. It's very difficult. Um, <laughs> it seems so hard. It's so hard. Um, so then they start noticing that things are moving Mm-mm. when, so they put something down in one room and when they come back in, it's somewhere else. Like pieces of furniture. Cats. Or, they put their cat down in one place and, it and goes, they're like, it's not sleeping. Or it's anymore. not there anymore. They tell their dad one time that they poured some fiddle faddle in a bowl <gasps> yeah. to take in to watch TV with them. When they went back in to the kitchen later to get it, it was gone. The bowl <gasps> was gone. The whole thing was gone. They couldn't find it. Remember fiddle faddle? Fiddle faddle. But I prefer poppycock. Oh, I wonder we should do a blind taste test. <laughs> well, because I think fiddle fat one of them, fiddle fat is like peanuts, right? And then poppycock has like almonds. There's, there's some I don't difference. Know. What about Cracker Jacks? Cracker Jacks are for old people. <laughs> <laughs> well, then call me old. <laughs> I just called myself old and now I'm like trying to throw that shit on other people. That's how it works. <laughs> That's how insecurity works, everybody. Um, one okay, time the shit's door, going crazy. The shit's going crazy. The doorbell rings one night. They open the door. No one's there. So they're like, fuck, what is, it's what is happening? Spirits. We opened a, we opened a portal. So that when they tell their dad these stories, the dad's like, so they want my attention. I'm not oh, around mm-hmm. enough. I, I'm not there for them. Yes, but also it's haunted. Yes. Well, both are true. But as we know in every like horror movie, the parents never believe the kids until like fucking all the curtains are on fire and then turn into <laughs> an old nun or whatever. <laughs> Oh, by the way, the nun's coming out this weekend, everybody. We've got to go watch Let's it. Let's all go together. Okay. <laughs> Let's all go in a big bus. Yeah. Okay. So one night, again, home alone, watching a movie. They're, they haven't heard the knocking for a while. 
they start to hear it again. This time it's in the basement. Mm -mm, mm -mm. So Annie picks up a knife and she's like, come on, we have to go check. Mm -hmm. And of course, Jessica's like, no, no, we we can't go down. They go down into the basement and there is a message written (gasps) on the wall in what looks like blood. Uh -uh. And it says... I'm in your room. Come find me. The girls read it. They scream. They run out. They go to the neighbor's house. Yeah. They're freaking Good. out. Good. I thought they were going to go to the room. No, 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 no. They, the neighbors call the dad at work. He comes home. The police come. They all meet at the house. They go, the dad and the cop go downstairs into the basement and they're standing there. They look, they touch the wall. Mm. It's ketchup. Okay. So then he's like, my daughters did this. Oh, no. I was gonna like, great, but someone still wrote it. Mm-mm. He's like, the ketchup, he's just like, this is like a child prank. Uh-huh. They're like trying to get my attention and pretend like they're so scared to be home by themselves because they want me to be yeah, home with yeah. them. And this is so embarrassing. He apologizes <gasps> to the cops and he tells the girls, you guys are going to have to go to therapy. <gasps> Yeah. Oh, I'm like gasping about therapy. I'm like, good, <laughs> great. But also, that they actually do need to be in therapy. Yeah, good things That's, are happening. Their dad's yeah. on the right track. <laughs> yes. But, but also, he needs to listen to them. Yeah. Um, and he also tells, the, he's like, do not do this again. This is not, this is serious. Like, I'm pissed. Da, da, da. <sighs> so they're so frustrated because they're so scared to be home and they know what's happening to them and they can't get anybody to believe them. Dude. Okay. So a few weeks later, they're home alone. The knocking starts again. Now it's super intense. And now it's upstairs. And so they go upstairs and they go into the bedroom and across the wall in the bedroom in the red, it's written, I'm back. Come and find me. So they scream and they freak out. They run out of the house. They run to the neighbors. The neighbor calls the dad again. But this time when the dad comes home, he's, he finds the girls are standing outside. They're crying and holding each other and shaking. And the neighbor goes, they've been like this since they got to my house. This isn't fake. Like yeah. whatever's going on, something's really going on in that house. Yeah. Like the neighbor now on their side because these girls are just shaken so the dad brian goes up into the house and he's like i'm i'll go check it out he goes up into the house and this is now uh, also this this story does have several versions Mm -hmm. of these details but they all end up in the back in the same place but these versions i'm i'm right now going by the id channel show your worst nightmare season two episode one a bump in the night okay he goes upstairs and he as he walks through the house every tv is on (gasps) things are so disheveled that he knows his daughters didn't like wreck the house before they left he's starting to go something really is happening in this house and he's like starting to get really freaked out he walks upstairs and he sees in the girl's room that that it's written on the wall um but then he turns around and there's a picture of annie with a knife stuck Mm. in it uh, stuck to the wall and he's like oh my god and then he hears a noise down the hallway he goes down into his bedroom and someone is standing there (gasps) wearing his wife's wedding gown no and a wig and turns around (gasps) it's danny laplante Uh the boy that annie went on the date with yeah his face is painted in like warrior makeup oh my god and he's holding a hatchet holy 
fuck? The dad fucking, of course, like stumbles backwards. Yeah. Danny comes at him. He runs out of the house, shuts the door, screams, get them inside the house, call the cops. The cops immediately come and they're just, and he's standing out in the street and like no one comes out of the house. And so he's like w- standing there yeah. waiting because he knows it's his 15 year old kid. He's not big. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's, but he's like kind of ready. But this guy's fucking batshit. Yeah, he batshit. He's got a hatchet. Batshit and hatchet. Batshit, hatchet, wearing a wedding dress. So the cops go into the house to get him. Oh, hey. And they, they don't find anybody in the house Mm-mm. and they're searching all around and they're like, this is weird because they know no one came out. Yeah. And, then they look and it uh, on the story is like all over our di- there's it this happened in different places mm-hmm. but basically they see they notice that there's a bookcase mm. that's slightly out mm. from the wall is this a hiding in the wall story it sure is georgia no. they pull it open no and there is a tunnel system no throughout the walls of the house fuck and Danny LaPlante has been living inside of the walls of this house since they went on this date. Danny, you creeper. And not only is there writing on these walls and there's girl, the girl's clothing that's been slowly disappearing that he's been jerking off onto. Ew. That's all inside the walls. And there's beer. He's he's glued pennies to the wall. There's Why? all kinds of weird shit that shows he's been in there for so long. But on top of all of that, there are little peepholes <gasps> so that he could walk anywhere in the house and see the girls in any room that they were in. Ew. Ew. Okay. What the fuck? Yes. So some, some versions of the story are that, that Danny tied the whole family up and then Jessica got away and called the cops and no. then everyone got away and then the cops came and then they moved back in and then later it was like that where mm-hmm. I'm like this does it doesn't even seem realistic mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um I'm way. on this I'm on I'm on board with this one so far yeah I'm on I'm on ID channel style yeah, yeah, yeah. they have researchers yeah. they know what that's, they're doing that's right so it turns out so Danny LaPlante this 15 year old boy very disturbed has had a horrible life terribly abused physically emotionally sexually by his father um and late had a terrible time in school was always made fun of because of his parents because of his acne he was disheveled he was very weird and creepy just had terrible time he had learning disabilities he had uh, you know every Mm. everything stacked against Mm. him when he was an adolescent at one point they sent him to a psychiatrist to to help him the psychiatrist molested no right Oh, God. So, man. you know, but still nothing is justifying. But but obviously there's there the underlying um, psychological problems were there. That's awful. It's really terrible. He uh, is taken to a psychiatric hospital when he's finally arrested. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and they evaluate him before they send him to juvenile hall. And they then decide the authorities decide he's going to be tried as an adult. And moved into real jail but because of that instead of like juvenile hall if he's tried like an adult then he can have bail so his mother Uh his mother is able to come up with the 100 dollars oh no i'm sorry 
wow when i I looked at this the first time i was like that's crazy but you know it was the 80s i guess it's a hundred dollars back then is equal to a hundred (laughs) dollars because i put a period (laughs) i put a period instead of a comma sorry everybody ten thousand dollars bail okay so he was bailed out and he's given a december court date oh no of course the andrews family is like we got we're moving yeah yeah and uh they relocate on december so so it takes two years for his his court case to come up Mm -hmm. on december 1st 1987 before the trial Mm -hmm. he's still out before he's prosecuted for the crime of being the creepiest person (laughs) in america Uh um second only to remember the um the spider-man of Uh of denver uh where the guy basically did the same thing but Almost less creepy on that one because he, he like, was just came down upon from the ceiling. Yeah, and he was just living there because he had nowhere else to go. Right, and the fam- the couple didn't know. Right. But okay, so Danny on December first, nineteen eighty-seven, um, leaves his mom's house, and what they eventually learn is that he'd stolen guns from a neighbor. Because be- before this thing with the at the Andrews house, he had been breaking into homes and robbing people but then he also would just break into homes and move stuff around and fuck with people so he was very into like fucking with people's minds and invading uh privacy huh. and you know that was like an obsession of his already mm-hmm. so Sounds like such a stephen king character yeah yeah really disturbed yeah and no help the opposite of any kind of help yeah. just and abuses piled on abuses but then just deeply disturbed persons yeah. so he goes, he leaves his mom's house and he goes out into the woods, um, which apparently some, some people say he knew the woods like the back of his hand. So he could live out there as long as he wanted. Sure. So he hikes through the woods for a mile. And then the first house he comes to belongs to a family called the Gust, Gustafsons. And it is, um, the mom is 33 year old Priscilla. The husband's named Andrew. And the children are Abigail, who's seven, and William, who's five. So, um, they, Priscilla comes home one day with the kids and there's, it's speculated because no one's sure positive, but they think he could either have been surprised in the middle of robbing the house. He just was there to rob it or, he had a plan all along and he was in there hiding the the one thing that does support the fact that he had a plan was that there were ties found Mm. um that he had bound the family Mm -hmm. which would have meant he had pre-planned it Mm -hmm, in mm -hmm. some way Mm -hmm. um because what he basically kills the family (gasps) he shoots priscilla and then he takes each child to a different bathroom and drowns them in in the bathtub terrible oh my god Um, yep and then he disappears into the woods again (gasps) so they find at the scene the police find a 22 caliber gun casing and it matches the gun that that danny stole the 22 that he had stolen Uh and for 48 hours they can't find him people are searching the woods this is 88 or something this is 87 okay it's december of 1987 so they actually get like a task force together like cops from surrounding counties dogs and yeah there's there's a whole search then they get a a tip that um danny's hiding at an old lumber yard oh what's fucking creepier than that no so all these cops descend on this thing and they find him in a shed (gasps) and when they pull him out he's laughing (gasps) and he continues to laugh throughout his entire arrest 
He just won't stop laughing the entire time. Stop laughing, Danny. The entire time. He's booked. He's stripped. That's when they discover he has a loaded gun hidden in his crotch. Oh, my God. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Gross. He now this time he's sentenced. He's sentenced to three consecutive life sentences because Massachusetts doesn't have the death penalty. Uh And that's in court when everyone starts hearing about his terrible childhood. But as we uh, many people say we've been told a ton of times and we all know lots of people have uh-huh. had terrible childhoods and they do not kill people right um so obviously there's the extra special something in danny's brain that was off we also know this because he when he went to jail never expressed remorse for anything ever Mm-mm. he became a wiccan in jail what? Um, then he filed a lawsuit against the state of Massachusetts because they weren't giving him access to dragon's blood, black opium, or honeysuckle. Wiccans are like, can you leave us out of this place? Literally, that's the next line that the Wiccan community was like, he is not one of us. Shut that is up. not what we're about. That is like, like, he has nothing to do with us. None of us have ever heard of this guy. Jesus. Like, we reject him entirely. Not Jesus. They reject him entirely. <laughs> The Wiccans are about the fucking earth, man. Yeah, and dragon's blood. Uh, and and dragon's blood. Then he he goes through appeal after appeal of all these years where he's just like, don't care, fuck you, mm-hmm. whatever. And finally, on his last appeal, he came and he was like, I realize what I've done. Nuh-uh. I know it's wrong. I have nothing but remorse. I'm so sorry for all the pain I caused. Liar, liar, liar. His his final appeal is denied, Good so God. he's never getting out of jail. And of course, when was that? In twenty something. It's twenty sixteen. Holy I shit! It's like recently, right? His fi- his final appeal yeah. was denied. Um, and Andrew Gustafson, who lost his entire fucking oh. family, and of course after that, his he died in 2014. His second wife, luckily, he, he I mean he did remarry, which is yeah. lovely. But his second wife um, testified at the resentencing that Andrew's life, of course, was ruined because of this crime. He suffered endlessly with depression. Uh, he went bankrupt. Mm. Like his life, of course, fell apart because it was so terrible. Yeah. And uh, they say, I don't know if this is verified, that on Andrew's deathbed when he died in 2014, he said, make sure they never let him out of jail. Oh. When Danny's third appeal was like his final appeal was denied in a way they're like well at least then yeah. andrew got a little bit of justice in that yeah and that is the horrifying fucking story of danny laplante what in the actual fuck and also how have i never heard that story before? dude i i think i'd heard the beginning part and I, I was like and i was like okay like this isn't gonna be a murder story this is like you know this like weird and like is it provable i don't yeah. know but right. it's like cool not cool but you know uh and then it just took a turn. Yes. And that was horrible. And you have, like, in, on the television show, Your Worst Nightmare, the way they shot it was so good where he's standing there, like, um, Brian goes into that bedroom and is like suddenly looking like, what, someone's in a wedding dress? Yeah. Like how confusing and yeah. disorienting that would be. And then it's just like a teenage boy who basically has like, it looks like Braveheart. It's like the top half of his head is, is, uh, all black across the eyes and mm. forehead and then the bottom's white mm-hmm. and he has like a weird strip of red on his lips like it's so creepy and the hatchet it's just like oh no. this is not a haunting this is a nightmare this is a true fucking nightmare you're awake so crazy i want to see a photo of this dude 
Oh, I have one right here for you. Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. Yeah. I mean, he just, uh, to be honest, he just looks like all the disturbed... Serial killery. Uh... Yeah, teen boys that you've ever seen. Oh. He, he's got he's definitely oh. got a Richard Ramirez feel to him. He definitely does. Dark, dark. Oh man. Yeah. Really bad. Definitely like the the area of the heavy metal parking lot where you like you don't want to go. <laughs> That's right. You know. Yeah, don't smoke that guy's pot cuz no. it, it absolutely will have angel dust in That's it. That's right. And then you'll be totally fucked. And freon. <laughs> And you're fucking suddenly wake up. Oh my god. Um, and Freon. Remember Freon? Uh, well, shit, dude. I know, right? Insane. Good job. Oh, thanks so much. Uh, my my fucking hooray is that I got to hang out with both of my nephews over the weekend nice. separately, and I got to hang out with the eight year old nephew Micah alone. Like we just got to like hang out and walk around and talk and eat, and like it just was this nice. He's just such a different person around a bunch of people because he gets so excited and hyperactive and shit. Not like, but so, like a kid, like a kid. Yeah. But this time it was just nice to talk to him and stuff. And then my little baby my nephew, of course, is the angelist of them all, and so it just made me feel like a good aunt. Nice. It's nice. Also, it's so good to... It, it's such a brain change because we're never around, I yeah. feel like, in the kind of life and lifestyle that we have. It's just like, you're just never around kids. No. It's not a family lifestyle. It's not even, Mm-mm. like, slightly juvenile lifestyle. No. You never get it. And it's so important because, like, they're not sarcastic. Yeah. They're not fucking riffing all the time or trying to, like, put on a thing. Totally. You don't have to, like, keep up a conversation and ask them about dumb shit. Nope. It's just real connected, yeah. like connected stuff. All he did was like tell me about things he's excited about, like yeah. movies and this movie and this other movie and this character in this movie. And like, just like talk at me. It was like, nice. Yes. It was cool. And I was just like, well, what did that guy do? It was just kind of, it was fun. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, then I guess I will do my, I did a lot of, so I started back up a uh, writing job so back up back up oh you started back up i nice. thought you meant like a backup to the podcast <laughs> <laughs> like, baskets is not a backup writing <laughs> job honey. gotta have a safety net <laughs> Like, and it's just like the one of the best TV shows on television. <laughs> it's, it's my version of getting an accounting degree. Yeah. When I want to be an actor. Um, no, it resumed. Uh-huh. Um, so knowing that uh, life was going to get much more dense and difficult, I just did absolutely nothing for tr- like four days in a row. The best. Um, yeah, it was really nice and uh, I mean, not like I needed it, but it was, I was almost like just milking the end of it. Before well, it's I'm, like, nice when you do it because you know there's a there's a thing to do it for when it's not just like, I'm not going to do anything today. It's like, I have to catch up. Yes. Because I'm about to start some crazy shit. Yeah. Like I'm in it now. I'm, tr- I'm t- I've turned back into like a banker, you know what I mean? Yeah, Where yeah. I can't pretend I'm like a, a hippie arty person. It's yeah. just like, so I just wanted my last couple days of it. So I was binge watching all kinds of crazy shit. And, um, there's a series, there's an old BBC series called Tom Jones that is, it's based on the story. It's really well done. There's some great actors, but it's clearly from the nineties. It's old. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was very satisfying. But then, I, um, on Labor Day tweeted, um, a gif where I said, um, Labor Day weekend 
in your 40s and then it was a gif of a guy that was making a face and just slowly closing a door <laughs> like horrified face and someone re- replied to that and was like oh my god i love the misfits and i assumed it was the band yeah and i'm like wait what that guy's from the misfits mm-hmm. and so when i look it up it's a british series <gasps> that is so fucking good and funny and i watched um i mean there's a ton of i think there might be five seasons yeah. or more I watched the first three. It was, it's super, it's like dirty. I kept thinking, what channel would this be on? Because mm-hmm. this, this can't be on just normal TV in England. But they're so fucking yeah, yeah. liberal about sex. They don't give a shit. And then there's like late night shit and early night shit. Yeah. But this is like um young people who all got arrested for something and they have to go do like, it's basically community service. Oh, I love it. But then while they're doing community service, a weird cloud passes over and like this odd storm starts. And then every changes and suddenly people have special powers but it's like all these like ne'er-do-well kids that have the powers oh my god it is so good it it's awesome so funny and interesting and luckily a bunch of murderinos knew what that gif was and what the show was and they're like we love that you love the misfits and i was just like what the fuck is going so you're on getting credit for this badass thing and now you're like no you can actually give me credit for it yeah now, now i can have know. credit i didn't deserve credit on labor day but i've now earned it because now i'm a humongous fan it's a really good show and it's it. old i mean people in in the uk right now are like oh oh really it's like you yeah know. but you know we take a while to catch up people are i it's it would be like if a, a British podcast was like, you've got to watch Dawson's Creek. It's amazing. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, well, I'm going to watch it while I don't drink. It's <laughs> which was another one of my things. <laughs> Just start watching everything. I'm going to do it. Yeah. Um, Brad, should we have a challenge for this week? This weekend coming up? Sure. I actually did. I didn't go to a yoga class, but I rented or I bought a yoga, a um, Kundalini yoga nice. video nice. Um, that I did half of. <laughs> it's actually Kundalini yoga is interesting because it's not crazy hard poses physically. Mm-hmm. It's like odd things that are duration like you have to do weird things with your arms for four minutes that you're like all of a sudden and then breathe all crazy like yes okay but they're but it's effective yeah, yeah, yeah. like it really works if you do it so i'm giving myself i'm like build up to it because it's actually hard to do yeah and do as much as you can Great. and then just keep on doing it okay so that's supposed to be they want you to do in that a 40-day yoga challenge where you do it every day jesus so i might try to do that just because i just want to as build, much as you can do you, i need a practice yeah, yeah, yeah. i need to practice and i need a morning routine i love that all right well i'm gonna try to go one time this week okay good because <laughs> <laughs> i haven't been and i just need in fact i need someone to answer to yeah good idea um rad Let's because it, we keep getting tweets about people going and about people being like, I went to mine. So we're not giving up on this. No. Like we definitely, I definitely want to continue practicing doing yes. it. I have a quick shout out to the Halifax Murderinos. They did a themed yoga class for charity. Nice. Just, Halifax, Nova Scotia? Yeah, they said, howdy. This Wednesday, August 22nd, our small but mighty group of Halifax murderinos from Nova Scotia took your suggestion and not only went to yoga, but themed the whole damn class around it. 
Um, they told me the different kinds of poses they did. And we raised over $100 for the Kristen Johnston Legacy Beer, Beersery. Kristen, uh, a yoga teacher herself, was stabbed to death by her former partner in 2016. She touched many lives here in Halifax and beyond. We couldn't think of a better reason to gather as a community and practice yoga than to honor Kristen's memory and uphold her legacy. Wow, that's great. Stay sexy. Do murderino yoga. Dara, pronounced like Sarah. <laughs> nice. So that's amazing. Let's all do that. I love guys. that. Also, do it Nova for- Scotia. I mean, that is... A tiny area yeah. where one of my favorite giantesses is from. Oh, who? Anna Swan, oh. the giantess of Nova Scotia. She was like eight feet tall. Wow. She was humongous. Good for her. <laughs> I love her. <laughs> you love giants. I really do love giants. Um. Well, you guys have been giants for listening to this episode. Wow. <laughs> Especially you, Allison, uh, Vicerino. It's Ashley. Ashley, I'm sorry, Ashley. <laughs> Ashley Bitchman. She's a bitcherman? Bitcherman. Ashley Bitcherman. Allison Bitcherino is like, I finally got my shout out. <laughs> Allison Bitcherino is like, my life hasn't been hard at all. <laughs> Bitcherino is so much different than Bitcherman. Bitcherman's like, oh, I know, what I'm a just, drag. That was really insulting. I apologize. Um, to, to, to two to fake people. Both of you. So sorry, fake people. <laughs> Don't have your feelings hurt, fake people. <laughs> but thank you for listening. And stay sexy. And don't get murdered. Goodbye. Goodbye. Elvis, you want a cookie? Want a cookie for your birthday? Ah.